Welcome back to Barn Banter with Cowboy Andy, the podcast for children's musicians by a, say it with me, children's musician. Huh? Okay, today we're talking to someone who lives not in the domestic United States. Actually, they used to, but now they're currently living in England. And I'm curious about what it's like to be a children's musician over there and if there's differences, if it's the same, and just sort of what the deal is, just in case I ever get over there. Across the pond, as they say. And so, today we welcome to the barn, Marissa Levinson, who performs as the Young Folkies. Hello, Marissa. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. So, you perform as the Young Folkies over there in in uh, England. Where where exactly are you? So, I'm in London. Um, I'm in a kind of borough of London, so not central, but just kind of outside, uh-huh. I guess. But it's still considered London. London's quite big. Yes, it's huge, I'm told. I spent three or four hours in the airport once. That's as much as I got. I was. (laughs) Yes, in the international wing. Yeah, it was huge. I had fish and chips. It was. Oh, yeah. You always have to have that here. I kind of felt like I did, but then I also felt like I was sort of cheated out of the uh, experience of actually having it someplace other than in an airport bar. Anyway, I'll have to come back. back And I can uh, recommend some places for you. (laughs) Oh, done deal. You, however, are not originally from England, are you? No, I'm not. You can probably tell from the accent. <laughs> well, where are you from? What's What's your story? So I'm originally from Boston in the in the states, um, Boston, Massachusetts, and I moved here about 11 years ago to do a master's degree, which was kind of the only way at the time I guess I could be here. But I was planning on doing a master's degree in international development, and I thought, well, why not study abroad? So. Uh, I moved here. Um, I did my degree. It was a year-long program. And then I stayed on to work. And you're still there. And I'm still there, yeah. Wow. All right. How does the music fit into your life? Were you doing music when you were stateside? So uh, I I guess I've been a musician for a while now. I think it's always been kind of a hobby of mine, but I didn't really get serious about it until probably about six years ago or so. Mm -hmm. I was in a band in London and we we gigged in, you know, different venues. Um, so that was kind of my first experience of really performing live in front of an audience. Mm. Um, and I just loved it. And I think the thing is that after I had my daughter, it got harder to do those kind of, you know, late night kind of gigs in bars and in clubs and all that. So sure. I kind of switched gears a bit to children's music, which was easy to do during the day. And it was easy to be flexible so I could obviously spend more time with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And when you decided, when you switched over and started doing the other music, you were, were you, uh, you play guitar and you're a multi-instrumentalist, is that correct? Well, <laughs> I guess I'd say guitar is my main instrument. I play a bit of ukulele, um, a little bit of xylophone, you know, some other types of percussion instruments, but um, I'd say guitar is kind of my main instrument. So what sort of music do you uh, perform for children? How, and, and where do you do it? So I, I hold local groups. Um, I used to hold weekly groups and I've I've changed my format to a pop-up kind of session. So um, I do one a week mostly in local cafes and it's been working out really well because I'm not there all the time, but I'm there occasionally. And I think it, it kind of is a bit more exciting when I do pop up, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I guess the kind of music that I, I do is it's a mix of kind of fun, but also, I guess, in the realm of kind of social and emotional learning. Mm. So it's kind of 
things like my title track on my album is called Be You. And uh, before I sing it, I always say it's about being yourself and being proud of who you are. So it's just kind of instilling confidence in children and a sense of, of you know, self and identity and that whoever they are, wherever the, whatever their background, that, you know, they're great just as they are kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, I guess, the kind of thing that I'm I'm doing and just trying to, you know, play music that children enjoy and, you know, can either dance to or sing along to. So you've been over there for over a decade. And do you find that being a uh, expat f- from the States, does that help your career over there or not help or does it matter? Are people... Uh, curious about that as far as uh, musically, or is it just not even an issue now for you? I think um, because I'm in London, which is obviously such a diverse city, um, I think people are not as kind of thrown off by my accent um, as they, you, you would be in kind of like a small village somewhere in England. Mm. But I think, um, you know, I've been here for a while and I've, you know, gotten to know a lot of people and there are some other Americans who live locally, people from really all over the place. Um, so, you know, sometimes people will ask if I'm Canadian, you know, because they're just not quite sure. Do you ever pretend you're Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it would be that easy for me to get away with it. But, uh, and if I met a Canadian, then they probably wouldn't be too happy with me. So, Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I try to stick to the, uh, I'm American, but I'm you know, very interested in people from all over the place. <laughs> sure. So as you're, as a musician over there, how what is the what is the children's music scene like in London? Is it thriving? Do you have a lot of peers, any kind of a community of musicians who are doing what you're doing? Uh, do you ever go and check out other musicians and see kind of what they're up to? Yeah, so I'd say actually um, the best kind of tool for me to connect with other musicians doing children's music has been Instagram. Hmm. Somehow I've managed to connect with a number of kind of London-based musicians. Not not all are London-based, but a few are. And I've been to see some of them play, you know, just to see what what they're up to. You know, some of them do like bigger um, live shows. I, you know, obviously I, I kind of just, it's just me you know, it's just myself. So I think most of the ones that I'm in contact with just do kind of something by themselves on a weekly basis. So, uh, you know, it's it's kind of varied. It's different instruments, guitar. One woman plays cello um, and she also does ukulele and some other instruments. So I'm I'm not kind of like a musician who was trained as such, but it was always a hobby of mine. So it kind of grew out of that. That's curious. Uh, and you you weren't a performer back in the states, but do you remember children's music from when you did live here? And has did that? Uh, have you tried to model yourself after that to a certain extent, or how do you get inspired in this way? So I, I guess I have to say I wasn't doing children's music in the U.S., so I can't really compare it so much because I've only been doing it for a few years now. If I thought back to maybe when I was a child, what children's music was like, I'd say one of my biggest influences was probably Raffi. I just remember listening to him as a child and, you know, his songs were really inspirational because they were also about kind of, you know, proud of yourself and also being kind to other people. And I think that's really important. And do you find that that's when you find that as a inspiration, when it's time for you to start 
writing your your songs if you I look through your song list and it's pretty there's a lot of hope and support and fun in your songs so you do feel like you're sort of um using that inspiration basically to to continue to create yeah i'd say so i mean rafi's so successful and he's he's continues to be successful and he he's just really a great role model for children apart from being a musician he's just a great person who cares about people and children and you know their self-worth and all of that and i think that's something that i try to explore a bit in the music i do for children when it comes to kids and and the approach to development do you have you noticed a difference over there is there a different approach are there certain things as a performer that you're like oh well this is uh, this maybe as you were starting you're like oh well i have to i'm going to approach this differently because culturally there's just some uh, some differences between when you were a child over here and what you're exposed to over there? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, for one thing in particular I, I can mention is um, one of the songs I wrote is called If I Grew Up to Be President. And obviously it's really kind of geared more towards an American audience because it's very specific to our current culture, mm-hmm. our current pol- political climate, I suppose, in the U.S. And I think it was just something that doesn't really translate as well here obviously there's a prime minister in the uk but i just didn't think the song would sound as good as if i grew up to be prime minister which you know you could you could obviously do that version but it would be a different kind of version i think to the the one that i did you know yeah i i i, I don't know are, are you writing a brexit song uh, that's a good question. <laughs> well interestingly enough that was the first election i was able to vote in Ooh, um, wow yeah, and unfortunately, it didn't have the result that I was hoping for. <laughs> but maybe <laughs> there's a, there's possibly a, a Brexit song in the works. Well, if you'd been here in two, in 2016, I'd say, oh, well, join, <laughs> welcome to the party. We didn't get what we wanted. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of what what that song actually partially why if I grew up to be president because it's about what I would do as president, which is basically not what the current president is doing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, and, you know, but that's an interesting point. And part of the discussion with you, part of my curiosity was uh, to to ask you about is if on the, on the one hand, so I have a four piece rock band that does children music. If I were to pick up my my band and we were to come to London to do a festival, would the music translate? Would the crowds uh, would the crowd there be accepting of it, or is it? Or is, are there means and norms about performing over there that's that are just different enough that I would have to be like, oh, well, we're not going to do the call and response, or we're not going to do, you know, putting your arms in the air and getting kids to clap because that just doesn't go over well here. Or is it pretty much the same? Yeah, I, I think I'd, I'd say it's probably pretty much the same. I think children are just kind of, you know, especially I work with children mostly between babies and up to around five-year-olds. Year um, I think they're kind of looking to have fun. They're exploring sounds and instruments and, you know, movement and everything. And I think it's probably something that's pretty universal, actually. So that would be one one part of it. The other part would be that there are a lot of performers in the U.S. who go to libraries or schools. And they do, yeah. I think, kind of what you do, which is to sit down one-on-one with a guitar, more at eye level with kids, early learners, and do mm-hmm. a little bit more uh, interactive music with just an acoustic and a, and a song, no mics or anything like that. And in that sense, is it the same 
would would you would you feel like that would be the same uh, transference too? That there really isn't that much difference between performing here and there for folks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty much the same in terms of you know some. I mean, in terms of what I've seen anyway in children's music, either here or in the U.S. in particular, either a big band setup where you kind of just do shows or, um, you know, a smaller kind of more intimate setting, which seems to be a lot of what I've seen, um, at least in and around London, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, and probably other parts of the UK. A lot of people do weekly groups. So I guess it's kind of, it's something that I guess is for children to do on a weekly basis for a lot of people, something to look forward to every week. Or in my case, it's kind of like something to look forward to when it kind of pops up every now and then. But I guess it's kind of the same feel. It's an intimate feel. It's children exploring, you know, instruments and puppets and different little toys that kind of help with their understanding of the songs, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Do you get outside of London to perform much or uh, have you seen and had a chance to play in any of the surrounding areas? Like how far would you travel for a gig? Well, um, I I actually, in the summer, I did a um, performance at um, a festival, which Basically, um, I think the festival scene is really big, especially um, it was a a children's festival. It was specifically geared towards children and activities for children. So it was kind of the perfect place for me to perform because I had a captive audience. Mm -hmm. So I think music festivals, a lot of them are getting to be, at least in the UK, I don't know as much about the US, are becoming more child focused. So there'll be like a tent with all different child activities or performances, whether it's music or theater. So I think it's just, you know, it's more geared towards families, I think, than it ever was before in the UK, um, which I think is great because people don't necessarily want to leave their kids at home when they go to these festivals. They want them to experience it as well. And is that um, is that like larger stage stuff or is it more like kids staged off the side, that sort of thing? I think it's more kids stage off to the side, but I, I think it depends on the festival too and how geared towards children it is. So I think it really varies. But in my experience, when I performed, it was kind of in a tent off to the side. Yeah, I guess that's that's just what I've experienced. But obviously, festivals can be on different scales, and that just happened to be a smaller one. Sure. So, and this is kind of a sensitive question and you don't have to get specific about it, but how's the pay? Is this, is this something where you think you could make it or can you, or do you make it as a, yeah, this is my full-time profession. I'm just a musician. I play these venues and it's enough to support me and my family. Or is this, no, nobody can make it doing that unless they, you know, they get a deal with the BBC and they are, and it's, it's always just sort of hobby level. I think that it depends on how much you want to work. Because I'm a full-time parent outside of doing this, I tend to do one session a week because otherwise I just find find it too exhausting. Mm-hmm. So it's it's something for me to do for myself that I really enjoy, but it also gives me time with my daughter. So I think if I wanted to do it more on a full-time basis, I probably could have a regular kind of salary out of it. But I think at the moment, it's just kind of like a supplemental kind of income mm-hmm. for me anyway. I think in the... it. it that varies a lot where you are. I know that there's performers uh, like in New York City who, because it's such a huge uh, city, there's just there's so many opportunities. They can book two shows five days a week 
you know, they could do a morning yeah. gig and then they do an afternoon gig Monday through Friday doing doing the music, and that's enough to right. basically sustain them. Whereas in more in a more rural area, it's not possible. But right. in, it is kind of sounds like in general that there's a acceptance and openness to to what you do in the in the mm-hmm. general community. Yeah, I think there's a definite need for it. I mean, when my daughter was younger, she's almost four now, I'd take her to different music groups, which a lot of them tended to be pre-recorded music that was, you know, people would sing along to. So I, I think because there's that kind of is saturated the market here, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to show them an actual instrument, play it live and see, you know, how they interact with it. And I, I think there's probably no other comparison really to live music. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a musician, but I, you know, in my experience, I've, I I just think that the children just, you know, their eyes light up, they want to come and touch the guitar. And it's just really exciting for them to experience that for the first time, I think. Right. When I was on your Facebook page, and I was scrolling through and looking at some of the past events that you played, I noticed that a lot of these venues have tickets. They talk about yeah. admission as a ticket thing, which mm-hmm. is kind of foreign. Duh. Nice. Nice use of word there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's so foreign. It's as if it's in a different country. <sighs> yeah, I'm a professional podcaster, obviously. It's different. We don't, I don't, I never play venues that sell tickets. Sometimes right. there's a, a, you know, a, a fee at the door or some mm-hmm. pre-registration thing, but that seems to be kind of a common term. How does how does that work from a business side then? Yeah, so I think um, the thing is is that it depends on what kind of setting that I'm in. So like you were talking about, a lot of musicians in the U.S. do libraries or um, other kind of maybe community settings. Most of the time I do these kind of pop-ups in local cafes. So I used to do uh, drop-in sessions where people would just come and pay on the day. Mm-hmm. But I found that it was too, you know, I'd get like maybe one person, two people, and it just wasn't really working for me. So I, that's why I changed the format to a pop-up session. I think I'm going a bit off off course with the question. No, no, no. And I'm curious about your definition of pop-up because we have pop-ups here, but I don't know if it's necessarily the same thing that when you mention it that you're talking about. So how do you, what do you describe as a, what's your definition of a, of a pop-up? It's not a weekly session like a lot of other musicians do or a lot of other um, children's music groups. It's, so I'll be at one particular cafe once, maybe twice a month, but not every week. So that I guess it's more exciting because they'll see, oh, she's not here this week, but she'll be here next week. So I better make sure that I, I buy a ticket <laughs> mm-hmm. so that I can see her perform. So I, th- I think the thing is, is that, when I do something like a birthday party, obviously it's not a ticketed event. Or if I do, I've been doing um, a local play group at a library where it's a free play group. So, you know, I'm paid by the, the play group organizer. People just come and, you know, listen to the music. So that's not a ticketed event. But the ones that I, I do personally are ticketed, hmm. I guess, if that makes sense. Sure. How do you coordinate the tickets then? I don't know if I can uh, plug this company, but there's a company in the UK called Hoop, and it's actually really innovative. It's basically an app on your phone that you can use to look up local children's activities. And I used to use this app for activities with my daughter. So I became an organizer on this app 
that's basically people pay for the tickets through this app and everyone uses it locally. So I thought, well, I have to get on there because I know that even my friends use it. So it's a good marketing tool as well as just a kind of easy way for people to pay for, you know, to be able to come to my sessions that I do. So that sounds like a great app. <laughs> I saw yeah, that. I saw that you had hoop you had reviews and things like this on your website. It was talking about hoop and and I, I had no idea what what that was or how that how that worked actually. And it can yeah. the, the app just lets you look to see like, well, what's happening this week in my twenty five mile radius or thirty kilometer exactly. radius, something like that. Yeah, so you can choose um, kind of the proximity to your location. Um, you can choose the age of the child, the type of activity, if it's music, if it's drama, um, you know, sports related, whatever kind of activity. You can specify it kind of, you can tailor it to your interests. Wow. I wonder if, yeah. there's, a, if there's a U.S. hoop. I have to figure that, I have to find out now. <laughs> yeah, well, who knows? Maybe they'll come to the U.S. eventually. <laughs> well, see, and already, see, we're learning things about the difference between the two. So that if I move over there to and set up shop as a musician, then that's clearly like one of the first things I have to do. I have to get into the hoop. Get into the hoop. Yes, I would highly recommend it. <laughs> They're not paying me for this, by the way. <laughs> oh, well, that's, well, that's, I'm not getting paid either, so. <laughs> <laughs> We do it for the love of the music, don't we? Do. We? <laughs> we do, and for the uh, for the uh, for the off chance that someone's going to pick up one of our songs and put it on a soundtrack, that would be cool. Is, are there any opportunities <laughs> yeah. like that beside uh, beyond that you've been able to identify while you're over there? Because I know actually the BBC is kind of a big deal, and they yeah. have a couple children's channels. So, mm -hmm. what's it, have you ever entertained daydreamed notions about how to make it? big or is that making it big? That's a good question. Actually, I, I have thought about it. I think one of the main channels is called um, CBeebies, uh, which is the, basically the children's TV channel for, you know, programming. My daughter watches it. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with it from that. But they have songs like, which it's pretty interesting. Actually, there's a nighttime song every night to kind of signify, okay, it's, it's time to get into you know, nighttime mode, bedtime mode. Um, and then the channel actually turns off completely after a certain time. I think it's around seven o'clock. So then the child knows it's it's bedtime. Wow. So there's a, a song that they sing. And I thought one of my songs is called Good Night. I thought maybe that would be a good song to, to use for their sure. <laughs> nighttime. So yeah, I, I've thought about it. I think it's it's having time to really sit down and think about where the songs might you know, have the most use and just knowing, I guess, the avenues to go down to kind of, or the people to, to know really, I suppose, as well. Mm -hmm. Is there an equivalent to the recording association uh, that does the Grammys? And I know up in Canada, they have the, I think it's the Juno Awards. Uh, is there something like that over there? Well, I think there's something called the Brit Awards. I don't know if they have a children's music category. I'm assuming that they do, but I, I haven't actually sought it out myself. Hmm. So I've only actually just released my album probably just a few months ago. So I think I'm only just kind of, you know, seeing what's out there at this point and, and getting an idea for, you know, different ways to promote my music. Did you do any physical copies of the CD or was it digital only? Uh, I do have CDs. Hmm. I find that they're not as popular as, as digital copies. 
CDs, CD players rather, I, dare I say, are possibly becoming obsolete. Oh, who said that? Where did you find that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just speaking from, you know, experience from, from what I've, you know, from other people and, and their kind of interests and in how they listen to music. You know, digital music seems to be the way to go, at least, you know, for, dare I say, millennials. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I I think obviously um, physical copies of of music hopefully will always be important. You know, the the resurgence in records and and their popularity is is pretty amazing. Considering I never thought that they'd become popular again, and and here we are. You know, mm-hmm. CDs. I think people, at least in my experience, tend to buy them to listen to in the car on long car journeys. Yeah but not at home so much. That That's just kind of been my experience with it. The United States is definitely an automobile nation. We like cars a lot. We spend a lot of time commuting in cars. And I don't know if right. that's really the same, uh, the same case over there. Does everybody own a car? No, not everyone owns a car. I, I, I can only speak for London, really, because that's kind of been my experience. But not everyone owns a car. Not everyone even has a driving license. The public transportation, we're very lucky, is happens to be very good here. You know, we live in the city, but on the kind of suburb side of things. And we can still access the, the subway, which is called the tube here, quite easily, which is, is really nice, actually, because um, I actually do have a driving license here now as well. But it took me a few years to get it. And... You know, I don't drive all the time, but it's just good to know that you can just hop on a bus and get somewhere if you need to or the tube. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, people do listen to music on their phones a lot during their commutes. And I think things like Spotify especially have really made um, digital music very popular because it's a really easy way to find out about new music. So you probably know it will suggest other musicians for you who are similar to ones that you like. And I think that that's that's really great because I uh, sometimes I just have no idea, <laughs> so it's really useful. <laughs> yeah, especially uh, other children's musicians too. Yeah, are there many uh, radio programs? I guess I'm no. I'm probably gonna just let you know. I don't know anything about the media in in England in the UK. Are there a lot of? Is radio still popular? Are there children's radio programs, local radio stations, anything like that? Be honest, I I haven't really seen a lot of um, children's programs. The BBC has a number of different radio stations that some are geared towards music from a certain decade. But in terms of children's music, I'd have to say a lot of the one, the kind of either podcasts or radio stations that play children's music have mostly been out of the US, actually. Oh, okay, cool. Maybe I just haven't looked hard enough. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, and here's a completely silly question that I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to ask: Is there any other programming besides the BBC over there, or do they pretty much have the? Uh, is, I guess by law the the corner on all marketing and media. So that that's a good question. I'd say the BBC isn't. It's not all that the UK has to offer in terms of stations. Are we talking about TV or just music? I think just across across the board. Okay. Um, there's a lot of other TV channels. I don't think as many as the U.S. has. Most people probably don't pay for cable the way that Americans do. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of people use things like Netflix here or Amazon Prime, those kinds of services. So actually, a lot of people are not even necessarily watching TV. <laughs> they're they're using these services, oh. these kind of paid for services, which obviously in terms of music, there's a lot of music streaming services now that weren't here like 10 years ago. So I think it's just kind of opening the door for, you know, a lot of different I guess to be exposed to a lot of different maybe music or programs you wouldn't have thought of of watching or listening to. Huh. Interesting. So <laughs> it is available, but it isn't necessarily it isn't the same as it is over here. Hmm. Curious. I was always curious about that. <laughs> well, I'd love to spin one of uh, one of your tunes so that uh, the listeners can get a feel for kind of what you're about and how you how you take it. Which one would you think would be one of the best songs off of your because your new album "Be You" has I think what uh, did I see ten tracks on that one? Yeah, yeah. So what's your what's your favorite? Which one is the most um, indicative? You would I would say of your style. Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I'd probably have to say "Be You" because that's kind of it's the title track. It's it's kind of um, you know if if there's a a theme of the album, it's that that's probably what I'd say that I, I was kind of going for the mm-hmm. being yourself, being true to yourself, being proud of who you are, and just showing people who you are in in creative outlets. I suppose I'd say that's probably the song to play. <laughs> Laugh if you want to, cry if you want to, be who you want to be. Sing if you want to, dance if you want to, you can set yourself free. Be me, be you, be anything you want to. You are the only you. Be loud, be proud, don't hide who you are. You're a superstar. Dream if you want to, scream if you want to, reeve and climb a tree. Run if you want to, skip if you want to, sail along the sea. Be me, be you, be anything you want to. You are the only you. Be loud, be proud, don't hide who you are. You're a superstar. If you want to cry, if you want to be who you want to be, sing if you want to dance, if you want to, you can set yourself free. Be me, be you, be anything you want to. You are the only you. Are the only be loud, be proud, don't hide who you are. You're a superstar. Where did you record the album? So I actually recorded it at home. My husband has been doing music recording for years. He was actually in a a band in the UK a number of years ago, a small indie band. He was signed to an indie label. Mm. So he's been doing music for years and recording other bands. And so it just kind of made sense that he would record my album. Um, He had the software, the equipment, everything. So, you know, it's not always easy working with someone that you're so close with, but I think it also mm-hmm. can probably bring about some really great music as a kind of creative process or uh, 
you know, partnership. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you get through it, you can, it's like, oh, we're stronger because of it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. So Marissa, thank you so much for coming on and kind of opening my eyes a bit more to the music scene over there. I'm totally curious about it. I'm hoping to get over and do kind of like a European tour at some point. And I don't know if I'm going to bring the whole band or if I'm just going to take my guitar and just try and do a solo thing. Any suggestions for me if I'm going to be coming or anybody who's listening, if we're going to come over where you'd be like, well, you'd probably want to talk to this person or you want to make sure you don't do this or you do anything like that that I should know? I'd say probably festivals would be your best bet because there's so many in a short space of time. So you wouldn't have to kind of come back for other gigs. So, I mean, I could, I could definitely let you know about festivals that I've looked into that have, you know, children's music kind of like our children focused, I suppose. Mm, So, mm -hmm. yeah, I I think that would be great. It would be fun for you probably to, to see what it's like here. Oh, totally. Is there any umbrella organizations for children's music? Like over here we have, well, there's a, gr- a group called a, like the Children's Music Network that you can you can become a member of, and then there's resources and a website, and there's uh, children's entertainers groups on Facebook, and then there's uh, Kindicom, which is an, a, a convention that's held every two years, and it has you know a bunch of people in that community. Is there any more centralized grouping over there? You know what? Not that I know of. I mean, I'm still pretty new to this because I only just started doing ch- children's music about a year or so ago. You know, over just over a year. So I can't really say offhand, but I think it's just been connecting with other musicians. Really, that's kind of helped me understand a bit more about how children's music works and working with children in this way. But yeah, if I do find out anymore, I'll let you know. Cool. Well, we'll be able to update as we go. And hey, anytime that you want to come back on Barn Banter, if you have a, you know, got another album coming out and you're like, you know what, I got to talk to those people in the United States a bit more about what's going on, please reach out because it's always fun to talk to friends, especially when they are foreign to me. (laughs) (laughs) So I got to use that twice to make me not sound so lame the first time. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, that, that would be great. Thank you for um, for having me, and it's, it's been great talking with you. Oh, let's sing a song about how we're all the same. How we all like snacks and cuddles, and we all like playing games. We all like to be hugged and loved, up in our beds at night. Tall or small, boy or girl, brown, pink or black or white. Tucked in our beds at night Tall or small, boy or girl 